Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And welcome to episode 365 of Geek Town Radio and welcome to 2023 as well. This is our first show of the new year. To start off, I have with me... So we meet again, Buzz Lightyear, for the last time. Not today, sir. Matt, how are you doing? I'm very good, David. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. First show of the new year. We've obviously been watching and playing lots of things whilst we've been off. So what have you been doing? Uh, something I watched very recently, actually, just the weekend just gone. Took my mum out to the cinema because it was her birthday. The film's called A Man Called Otto. The man in question is Tom Hanks playing Otto. And uh, it's quite a simple film, but it really surprised me because I thought it was going to be kind of... I mean, it is simple in its idea and some of the execution, but it kind of goes beyond beyond what I thought it was going to be, which I was I was nicely surprised by that, which is always a good thing. For the most part, this is... Uh, it's got a, a fair amount of, like, funny parts, and we both kind of chuckled and laughed at, at certain bits. There is a balance, however, with that. Um, there's two quite serious topics that the film does touch upon, which is suicide and transgender issues, not to do with the main character called Otto, but to do with another character, which I won't get into because of spoilers. So it touches upon both of those, and I thought it dealt with those issues really well, but it also really balanced that pretty well as well as doing its comedy. Obviously, it doesn't try to do comedy within those scenes, but it, it does comedy like outside of those scenes. Um, essentially, the, the setup that you've got is he is an elderly sort of man. He's just retired slash got a severance package from work, and he lives quite a simple sort of old man type life, which is, you know, wakes up and does what he does. Does a bit of like a, not a neighborhood watch but he sort of makes sure that the gate for their road is shut and things like that and make sure that people aren't parking where they're supposed to be and things like that and it's quite interesting if you look at the first let's say like the opening 10 minutes as opposed to the last like half an hour he does go on quite an interesting journey himself because you'd, you'd watch the first 10, 20 minutes and you'd think, okay, this is a bitter old man who is just grumpy and all this other kind of stuff, which that's the way he comes across. But as they go through the film and explain like his backstory and what happened to his wife and his kids and all these other sorts of things, I felt like the writing really came through very well and they eventually explain things with him and his backstory. But it's that curious part of like, how did he sort of get to this point in his life? And you, you do see that through flashbacks and other conversations that he has. And he also builds like nice relationships with some of his neighbors. He's dealing with like, like a new foreign family that's sort of moving in. He's a guy that likes sort of machinery and cars and things like that. So he likes to help people with, with those sorts of things. I had a really good time with it. I thought Tom Hanks, again, was was amazing because when is he not? Exactly. Uh, I thought there were some other standout performances as well. But no, it, it is simple in like some of the execution, but then it really did surprise me in, in other parts. So the only unfortunate thing for this film, because I was looking at some of the, the listings for it, and there aren't many people, at least in the, the listings that I saw, there isn't many people booked for it obviously because everybody's watching Avatar 2 at the moment. <laughs> the problem with that is, right, you look at November, December, January, February, right? You've got Black Panther, you've got Avatar 2, then Ant-Man's around the corner, and it's like, when, when is this film supposed to come out? Because this is like a kind of a smaller little film that does rely on bit on sort of, hey, we have Tom Hanks, come and watch our film, but everybody's watching Avatar. That's a bit of a shame, but hopefully uh, a good amount of people will go to see it. Um, have you heard of this film at all? 
I have. Because Tom was on uh, the Graham Norton show before oh. Christmas sometime, and they talked a little bit about it there. It's actually a, it's a remake of a Swedish movie called A Man Called yeah. Earth. And they were talking about sort of having seen it and being inspired to sort of like, we need to make an American version of this. It sounds really interesting. And yes, you're right. It is one of those films that's going to get buried underneath, you know, Avatar and superhero things and all that sort mm. of stuff. But it's the thing that like this may find a bit more of a life on streaming as well. As it's not yeah. necessarily the sort of thing that you need to go and see at a big screen, particularly. But... Um, Manuel Garcia Ruffalo is uh, is in there who you may know from the Lincoln Lawyer, the Netflix series, plays the lead role in that. He is one of the characters in here. Uh, Truman Hanks, Tom's son, plays the young version of Otto as well in the film. That's actually his son. Mm. And ironically, it's the one that doesn't really act. They needed a young version that was around that sort of age and you know, Colin <laughs> wasn't around and Truman was. So they got him to do it apparently did a pretty good job with it as well so it's one that i may look up at some point it's i like tom hanks a lot i mean i think who doesn't like tom hanks at this point and uh it did mm-hmm. sound like quite an interesting fun little film so uh yeah it may be one that i go and check out at some point yeah it's been entertaining me my entire life pretty much <laughs> yes. so uh because i understand it can't always be toy story every single time and i've seen him in other things as well yeah. so uh, it's good a show that uh <laughs> Mosquito Coast finished its second season. And as soon as the credits rolled for the season two finale, I immediately looked at Twitter because I didn't know if the show was was renewed. Didn't really know what the consensus for the show was because it was a bit of an odd season. And there seemed to be a general... Some people were saying, hey, this is like completely unwatchable and all this kind of stuff. I, I wouldn't quite go that far. I don't think it's as good as the first season, although the first season had a bit of a clearer sort of path, a bit of a clearer idea. Right. Second season, because even though some of the episodes are shorter, I do think there was maybe one or two too many episodes. Without going into spoilers for the actual ending, they end it in a place where, okay, you could give this a third season. I mean, it's based off a book and I have no idea where that book ends as opposed to where the show did or has at the moment. Or you could leave it. And if they left it, I'd be fine with that. It's one of them things where, like, okay, we're going to show you how things played out, but we're going to give you a couple of vague little sort of scenes left up to your own interpretation. And one of the, like, bigger, more interpretation scenes I was relatively fine with. And by the consensus of, you know, people online and stuff seem to all be in agreement about, let's just say, what happened in that scene. Because, mm-hmm. like, okay, they want you to think that something happened, but maybe it was something else. But pretty much everybody seemed to think, like, no, we think this thing happened instead. And I'm in line with that as well. I'm kind of in agreement with that as well. But it's interesting because like the last 10 minutes or so, I wouldn't say that they're rushed, but it's very just sort of bang, that's it. It's right. ended. If you came back for the third season, that'd be fine. The overall season, it was just a bit kind of, because we, we, we've praised a lot of Apple TV Plus shows because they keep making really good shows. So we keep telling you that they do. One about to say isn't me saying that this show is bad. The show's still good, sort of seven out, like second season, like it's good, sort of seven out of 10, don't skip watchable type TV. And it's, it goes above that sometimes but it's a it's an averagely good sort of season i think in terms of the seasons of tv that i've seen on apple tv plus so all of them this is probably at the bottom of that list Mm -hmm. but it's still a good season of tv it just doesn't stand up to kind of apple's high 
tier of, of television, which is most of their seasons of TV. So for those of you who like, I don't know, maybe you didn't know the second season came out or you were catching up, I'd say it's worth going through still if you care about sort of what's happening to these characters. I don't know, there was a couple of sort of smash cuts to things at the end and it was just a little bit wonky. So some people mm. kind of said that they didn't think the show knew where it was going. I think there was an idea there with the second season. Have you seen anything about the second season? I haven't, no. And it's not one of the Apple shows that I've actually caught up with. It's quite interesting looking at the background for the second season because first season, it was pretty much one director, one writer throughout all of it. Um, right. pretty much yeah. or the episodes that were co-written were co-written with Neil Cross who is the person that created the TV show based on the book I do wonder whether they went past the end of the book and then struggled for the second season maybe that's what happened but you mm. actually get to episode 6 in season 2 and suddenly there's three writers you get to episode 8 and suddenly there's five writers on 8, 9 and 10 which is too mm. many there's far too many cooks in that I think so I do wonder whether they were either pushed for time or this wasn't their main focus and they had to rope other people in and it got a bit messy and the writing suffered because of that because like I said it's weird on a drama to have five writers credited mm. that sounds like they either got pushed for time trying to finish it or they were struggling and roped in more people because the story wasn't going where they hoped it was or I don't know but something seems to have gone on there for that many people to be credited on their last few episodes i didn't know any of that yeah so. no, well no i mean i didn't until i looked it up but yes right. that does seem a little bit odd so we'll see whether that gets renewed again or not i don't think there has been an announcement about whether it's coming back yet but yeah if, if you see like gets cancelled after two seasons it won't be a sort of like oh no massive cliffhanger like, we'll never know what happened sort of thing if it doesn't come back so mm-hmm. we'll see um i didn't realize that you'd also written mythic quest in uh, well, your I'd, list i put mythic quest in after i saw you'd written it on the list <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I feel, I've done that as well. Yeah, yeah. So that concluded its third season of TV, which I said this a few weeks ago. For seasons that are like currently ongoing on TV, I think it was uh, the best one running at the moment. I was very impressed with this third season. Um, mm-hmm. The one kind of task that they had through this season is like, okay, and I'm not going to get too much into spoilers with it or whatever but the group's a bit more split up than what they used to be yeah i thought they handled that really really well because you sort of got to the end of the second season and thought oh how would they do more seasons of this but now we've seen how that's played out so even if they do that in the fourth season they've already proven that they can handle that quite well so i thought that was good there was a particular three episode arc that really impressed me actually there was the episode arc where it was i think a christmas episode then a backstory episode and then the one after that right yeah and that's not intended as a three episode arc i just happened to watch those three episodes back to back to get caught up because i sort of saved them for christmas i thought it'd be a nice thing to do which was which was cool and although like i said that's not intended as like a three episode arc that was like, one of the strongest points in the season there's lots of strong points throughout the season but the way that they developed uh, poppy and iron or ian their sort of partnership and or friendship relationship however you want to sort of put that so i'm very impressed with this season i'm very much looking forward to seeing uh where they go with this in the future i've absolutely loved this season it was been brilliant i think they ended it in a way that unlike the last seasons like you were thinking how on earth are they going to continue this with the end of season two season three does end in a place where you can see okay i can see where they're moving forward and it has already been renewed for a full season it's got a spin-off yeah. coming as well called mere mortals which is a bit more sort of anthology 
esque because it's they're describing it as being more like those what they describe as departure episodes, uh, but they're bottle episodes basically, like the Surian one, which did Ion's backstory and stuff, and Everlight, which was the episode last season, I think. It's a bit more based around those sort of things, and it follows the life of the employers and the players and fans and stuff. So it's sort of based in the same world, but isn't like directly based around the Mythic Quest team. So mm. um, I'm very much enjoying that show. I'm so glad it's coming back for even more. It's one of the great things on Apple TV. There's so much good stuff on Apple TV. So mm-hmm. very impressed with this season. And in terms of like, I think we spoke about it before with the spin-off or whether it's going to be next season. This show and the people that write it and make it have more than proven themselves that they can stretch further. Yeah. So we'll see how they handle things. Absolutely. So on my side of things, finish the peripheral, the first season of that, which is the um, adaptation of the William Gibson novel, which they've done on uh, Prime Video. And it's from the people that made Westworld. It's from Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan. Feels very much in that Westworld kind of vibe in that it's this sort of slightly futuristic sort of world but there's odd stuff going on um i don't know the novel at all so i can't tell you whether it is a good adaptation of that novel or not and how much liberty they've taken with it but i mean they've made a decent coherent story out of it it is a sort of multiverse idea which i think people are far more used to at this point very difficult to kind of explain it in any coherent way it's one of those things you sort of need to sit down and watch but um very much enjoy it. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is the lead character in it. Uh, Jack Rayner plays Burton, her brother, and they're two of the main leads. But uh, really well cast. Apparently, it's not been renewed for a second season yet, but they are making quite positive noises towards them doing a second season. So if you liked Westworld, I think it's one of those things that you would enjoy. It's on Prime Video. It's worth going to check out. Also finished the first half of season four of Manifest, very much a continuation of the um, previous seasons, which were on NBC on uh, this fourth season on Netflix. Uh, Seemed to be doing a good job of kind of wrapping up that story. I've been quite enjoying that. Slow Horses season two, thought just as good as the first. That's on Apple TV. That's been brilliant. That's already renewed for a third and fourth season as well. And then maybe even more coming after that. We don't know. Mythic Quest season three, we've just talked about. So that was great. Jack Ryan season three. Good. I didn't think quite as good as the previous seasons. I find myself staring at my phone a little bit in that and just wasn't sort of quite as gripped as maybe I had been in first and second season. Still an enjoyable, decent drama with John Krasinski in the lead, but just didn't quite grab me as much as maybe the uh, the previous two seasons. But uh, have you caught that yet? No, when it comes to Amazon, like with peripheral and this, sometimes it's just a case of clicking on the thing and remembering it's on there. Yes. So plus we've I've noticed we've got three streaming services that are blue now because um, you've got Paramount you've got Disney and you've got Amazon and there has been occasions where I've gone to watch like Star Trek and clicked on Disney Plus and I'm like no this is the wrong one yes but yeah I started watching a bit of the third season of Hannah which came out like two years ago so sometimes it's just because there's so many streaming services it's just a case of like clicking on one and remembering that a show's actually on there mm-hmm. so but no, I will watch those two differently. Yes, I will be interested to know what you think of Jack Ryan because, as mm-hmm. I say, I don't, it didn't quite grip me as some of the others, but enjoyable enough, but maybe not quite as good as the uh, the previous ones. There is, of course, another season of that coming, and then potentially a spin-off series as well. So 
One of the big shows which dropped over Christmas was The Witcher Blood Origin, which was this little mini-series that is based in the world of The Witcher. Very much enjoyed that. It's an interesting sort of little background story which sort of leads into, in the same way that sort of Book of Boba Fett is sort of connected to The Mandalorian, oh. it sort of leads into the next season, it sets up a few bits and pieces of that. Interestingly, it starts with Yaskia, who is in the middle of this war zone, and then it gets mysteriously sort of everything stops. This is in like the first minute, so I'm not spoiling anything particularly, but everything sort of stops, and he gets whisked away by somebody and told that he needs to record a song for the elves to help them remember, because they've forgotten where they come from. And it's the background of the creation of the first Witcher, is essentially the second up for it. If you know any of the history of The Witcher, there was this thing called the Conjunction of the Spheres, which was when the world of sort of elves and man and other things kind of all crashed together, which is why you have monsters in this universe. It really is just the sort of the background of that. I enjoyed it. There's a very odd bit of casting and it's Lenny Henry as this chief druid. I mean, I love Lenny Henry. He's great. And Mm -hmm. he is a wonderful actor. I just don't think he was cast right in this. I mean, I saw Lord of the Rings, which he's also cast in. He's in in the Rings of Power, where he plays the chief of the Harfoots, who are the hobbits in Rings of Power. I think he's great in that. I think he fits that role perfectly. This, where he's sort of playing a kind of Machiavellian chief druid, it's really odd. And I don't think he manages to pull it off. It just doesn't fit him. It's perfectly finely acted. It's just, it's very distracting. That always pulled me out of it. But the rest of the cast are great. There is um, Sophie Brown, who plays this sort of female warrior who is is fantastic. Lawrence O'Furnan, I think his name is, who plays Fial, who is an elf born into this sort of opposing clan of warriors, and they end up getting forced together and working together. Those are sort of the main leads. But uh, there are other people like Michelle Yeoh that pops up. There's Dylan Moran that pops up in there randomly. There's uh, Mini Driver is in there as well. So yeah, there's there's a good solid cast for it. And uh, if you like The Witcher, it's certainly an interesting sort of background bit of things, but um, worth looking at, I think. I take it this isn't one you've caught up with yet either. No, I only looked at it a few weeks ago or so, and it's it's got four episodes, isn't it? It's a limited series. Yes, um, four but, or six. Uh, no, it came out on Christmas Day. So, yes. Uh, but no, it's just, just one I haven't clicked on play yet. It is worth looking at. I, I did enjoy it. Ongoing things I'm watching, Bad Batch came back on Disney+. Plus. I watched the first two episodes of that, very much a sort of continuation of where it ended the last season. It's sort of a few months on and they're still sort of doing jobs and um, trying to get paid and running from the Empire. But uh, that's two episode arc is a nice sort of setup for the rest of the season. So I really enjoyed that. Our Flag Means Death has now dropped in the UK as well. I'd actually already seen the first episode of this because I caught it on a plane when I was coming back from America. They had it on the in-plane entertainment system. So I actually watched the first episode and thought it was brilliant. 
very much enjoying that series. It's all up on iPlayer. Uh, this is the thing that's based around sort of it's a comedy show that is based around pirates, particularly Steed Bonnet, who was known as the Gentleman Pirate, and Blackbeard, which is played by Taika Wahiti. They're great in it. It's really fun, really funny, very much. Uh, I don't think it's Taika that's actually writing and directing the show, but it, it is very much that sort of humour. So if you like that sort of stuff, well worth going to watch, but um, that's all up on iPlayer, very much well worth watching. I'm also partway through a thing called The Rig, which is on Prime Video, which is a new, I think it's a limited series. I, I can't imagine. I mean, it may go on longer. I don't know, but it's certainly six episodes for the first season feels very much like the type of thing that you would find on a Sunday evening on um, BBC. You know, it, it's that right. sort of quality yeah. drama. Uh, it's got Martin Comston in it from Line of Duty. And it's also got Ian Glenn in there from Game of Thrones. And Mark Bonner is in there. And Mark Addy pops up. There's a bunch of really decent names in there. Set on a North Sea oil rig. And everybody's desperate to get back to the mainland. It's sort of the end of their, their rotation on this rig. And this fog rolls in from nowhere and they're basically cut off and stranded there with no communication from the outside. And then some weird stuff starts to happen. That's the sort of setup for the entire thing. I would say if you wanted a show to sort of compare it to Fortitude, that Sky hmm. Atlantic series is something I that, yeah. that I, I would, in that the weirdness has a sort of science basis for it, but it's still weirdness, you know, that kind of vibe to it where there is something strange going on and it's kind of weird and kind of creepy, but there is a sort of pseudoscience basis for what is actually happening. So I'm very much enjoying it. I'm about three quarters of the way through that. So uh, we'll see how it ends. But that's been really good. That's the rig. That's on Prime Video. It's worth going to check out. As I say, it's only six episodes and they're only like an hour or so long, 50 minutes long. And on the gaming front, I've been playing something called Ixium, which I've actually completed. As you would expect, it is a sort of base building game. But uh, there is a game called Frostpunk, and it's kind of a version of Frostpunk in space, I think would be the closest thing you could associate it with. In that it is a base building game, but there is a story that runs through it. With Ixium, something's gone wrong in the Earth solar system. So you're aboard this giant spaceship and you're trying to find this other settleable planet. You're in this giant sort of space station, which you are slowly kind of opening the sectors of so you can grow putting things down and, and you know, you're trying to make sure that everybody survives while also rescuing cryopods, which are, are sort of a way of building up your population within there. It is a base management game, but there is a sort of end point to it. It's not just sort of completely open-ended like some of them are, you know, like City Skylines or stuff like that. It's pretty solid story. I found it fairly enjoyable. There are those frantic moments like you get with Frostpunk, things being thrown at you and you're trying to balance making sure that everybody's got food whilst they're not being overworked and they're not going to sort of start rioting and all that sort of stuff. So there is sort of a, a bit of plate spinning in terms of making sure that all the sectors in this space station are kind of balanced. I would definitely say it is worth going to check out, particularly if you like those base building games and you like the sort of Frostpunk style base building game. It's called Ixium. It's I-X-I-O-M is how you spell it. 
definitely one to go and look at. I very much enjoyed playing through that. That's been pretty much most of my uh, break over the Christmas period. So let's move on to some bits of TV and film news. So in the TV and film news this week, we start off with the renewals and cancellations. Cancellations, there have been a few and not that many because we are only right at the start of the year. But uh, of course, Netflix has cancelled a couple of things, as they always do. Uh, 1899 cancelled after one season. So that one has gone. And they've also cancelled the animated series Inside Job, uh, which is actually a reversal of having previously ordered the second season. They've now changed their minds. That will no longer be coming. If you're thinking didn't we see the second season no you didn't they actually split the first season into two parts it's one of those things so mm, i think there right. were 20 episodes in the first season and and it was split into two bits but there was supposed to be a second season coming and they've now decided that, that they're not doing that anymore the other people that have been cancelling everything right now is Warner Brothers Discovery and over at HBO Max, they cancelled Love Life after two seasons, which I think ran on the BBC over here, that show. So yeah, um, yeah. So that's gone. I don't know whether you saw any of those. Just on the 1899 thing, it wasn't a show that I checked out, but I'd seen positive reaction to it, not to the cancellation, but to the show. The thing I understand with, with that one, apparently that was from the same team that did Dark, which was a yeah. very critically acclaimed series. I've still not seen the third season. And I thought it was a very, very good show, but I didn't quite enjoy it as much as other, other people did. Dark actually finished after three seasons, didn't get cancelled. It had a conclusion yeah. and ending. Some people say it's the best show on Netflix, which, cool. Um, yeah. So, okay, so you got that going on, and then you bring back the same team, or the same most of the same team, and you make a new show, which is, from what I understand, similar. Not the exact same, but similar. Why wouldn't you want to keep that around? It's a bit like with the Mike Flanagan thing, because he's now signed an overall deal with Amazon, and he, he for a bit of time, he was kind of the Netflix horror guy, yeah. like, you know, with with Midnight Mass and Hale House and all, that, all those sorts of ones, and then they cancelled one of his shows after the second season, and now he's gone off to Amazon. So, I don't know why you haven't kept those people around, but then like I said, you know, then you'll make 10 other shows that nobody will see. So yeah. some people have argued about, like, okay, would they have had the budget and stuff? They, they probably would have because the money that would have been spent on a second season, let's say a third season of Warrior Nun or a second season of this, will probably go to a show that like people won't see or won't know about or won't, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah, and will get so, cancelled after one season, yeah. Yeah, but point I was trying to make with that is why don't you manage your money better and make shows that well, have more, more going for them? Yeah, this, so. is, this is it. I mean, you compare Prime Video and Apple to Netflix and they are in terms of their renewal policies at opposite ends of the scale. You know, Prime and Apple will look at a show, go, okay, this is good quality. And a bunch of executives will look at it and say, we think this is worth keeping. And they will renew it in some cases before it's even gone to air, which happened with Jack Ryan. I mean, before that had even launched, they mm. made it, gave it more seasons. Slow Horses was given two seasons straight off the bat. Whereas Netflix, if the algorithm says no, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a bit like this sort of old Little Britain thing of computer says no. I mean, it is very much that with the algorithm. I mean, it's, it does seem to be all hail the mighty algorithm and they've just canned it. So I'm guessing that's all it is, that the numbers don't match. And if the numbers don't match, the algorithm says, no, you're not allowed to make any more of it. I mean... It's a weird system and they really need to do something about their content because they are getting a reputation for killing shows without giving them any form of chance 
of surviving regardless of what their ratings are there it's just weird mm-hmm. like i noticed warrior nun which they cancelled before in december is still sitting around certainly in the uk top 10 chart right now as far as i could see when i looked on netflix um, a couple of days ago warrior nun was one of the things that was sort of i think it was at number five or something and you kind of think surely if it's sat in the top 10 somewhere you would have kept that around but then it's a global thing and if the uk likes it but nobody else does <laughs> I, I don't know it's weird it's very very strange the thing on the viewer side and the creative side is if you're a viewer of a show so let's say 1899 or warrior or whatever and you get to say second or third season your audience is going to start losing the confidence that you're going to renew those shows so less people are going to watch shows that are mm-hmm. in earlier seasons and I mean, I don't know about like you know, the creative and the business side, but surely if, if you're creative, you know, you've got a creative team with you or whatever, you're a director or whatever, and you say, okay, we've planned out our story and it's going to have five seasons and it has to have five and it has to have this amount of episodes. You're not going to really, I'm not, I'm not saying you will turn down Netflix, i say there's money there, but you're not going to really trust gonna to, to, to go over there. Yeah. So it's hurting things on both sides. Yeah, no, it is. Because audiences don't trust Netflix not to cancel a show after one season. And if you're creative and you've got a new show and you want it to actually go somewhere, but you think, you know, maybe it's slightly off the wall and it's going to need a little bit of time to bet in, you're not going to approach Netflix Mm. because you're not going to trust them to give it a chance. I mean, moving on to the renewals, they have renewed one thing, which is Wednesday. That's coming back for a second season, which shouldn't come as a huge surprise because the numbers for Wednesday were absolutely insane. It's got like over a billion hours watched. And it's like the third show to do that after Stranger Things season four and Squid Game. It's no great shock that that has made it, but you can't have every show. Not every show is going to do that. That's just unrealistic. Yeah. So, yes, great. They've renewed Wednesday and a lot of people are enjoying it. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I haven't actually got around to watching it yet, but I'm, you know, I'm hearing good things about it. So, wonderful. Yes. But there doesn't seem to be sort of any balancing going on anywhere in there. So, I don't know. It, it's very weird. I had got up to, I think it was episode five or six, and I was hearing stuff about like it might not get renewed or it might move to Amazon. And I was like, I'm just going to not stop watching it, but pause watching it until something's been decided. Well, yeah. Because I didn't want to, you know, spend the holiday break getting up to episode eight or nine, then it gets cancelled. Yeah. So on that side of it, it's made by MGM, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, that's the weird thing with Wednesdays. It's actually quite good news for Amazon as well, because Amazon own MGM. So if let's say after season two, if Netflix doesn't want it anymore, would it go over to Amazon? It could very well do. I mean, it makes sense, wouldn't it? it? It would make sense if Netflix did decide to cancel that. I think there is a strong possibility that Amazon say, okay, well, we'll have it then. Mm. That is one show that should technically be fairly safe regardless it just may not be on netflix it may be on amazon moving forward but as i say that it made such a ridiculous impact on netflix i mean a billion hours viewed they're going to renew it for as long as it has that sort of ratings anyway Mm -hmm. in terms of other renewals fire country's been renewed for a second season by cbs that's the max theorot from seal team show where he plays a a sort of firefighter that's a sort of next con hasn't landed anywhere over here yet but um hopefully the fact that that's been renewed will inspire somebody to go and pick that up 
SEAL Team itself, we've seen a couple of bits of rumours that maybe SEAL Team for the next season might go straight on to Paramount Plus in the UK. Trying to get that confirmed at the moment. So it may be back on Sky. It may go on to Paramount Plus. Don't know yet. Grace, which is the John Sim detective drama based on a series of books, which all appear to have death in the title. I, I was writing this up for, like, for mm. the website and it's like all the books are death of something. or Yeah, so uh, that's obviously a theme of the author. But uh, Johnson stars in that. It's called Grace. That's been renewed for a full season by ITV. Third season hasn't gone out yet. You haven't missed it. It's just they've renewed it for a fourth before the third season goes out. AMC are on a bit of a cancellation spree right now because I think they've got money problems, which, I mean, is ironic given the fact that we can't get AMC shows anywhere over here. But they've cancelled a show called Damascus. They've cancelled after one season. A show called Moonhaven after his second season. 61st Street and Pantheon, both which were due to have second seasons. In fact, I think Pantheon's an animated show. 61st Street is a live action series. Both of those, I believe the second seasons are actually made. But much like the Batgirl movie, they've basically just written them off. I think there Mm -hmm. is talk of them trying to sell them on to somebody else possibly but failing that they will just use them as a tax write-off so i mean i feel really sorry for the people that have you know the creatives and the actors and everybody that's involved in those because that sucks because if they don't sell it to somebody else it just gets buried in a ditch somewhere that's really quite harsh because their work doesn't get seen Mm. it's mildly infuriating with amc when the shows like the walking dead series and the Anne Rice stuff can't be found anywhere. I mean, Interview with a Vampire, I think, is available to buy on Amazon in the UK, but it's not on Prime. And I don't know whether it's they're trying to charge too much for things. I don't know whether they're just not selling anything. I don't know whether they're trying to hold on to things to launch AMC Plus, which is one possibility. To do that sooner rather than later. But yeah, they really need to get their act together on it because if they're having money problems, that would possibly be one solution because at the moment Mm -hmm. they've got a bunch of content that people want, but we can't legally get hold of it in the UK. Yeah, I'd I'd like to give you money for Kevin Kniff himself season two because I'm very much looking forward to it. Yes, yeah. Uh, Or for these new Walking Dead spinoffs or whatever else you've got. Yeah, the the new Bob Odenkirk series, which is coming out and yeah, yeah. And, and interview with the vampire and you know Mayfair witches and all that sort of stuff but at the moment we can't legally watch them anywhere so you know mm. it will not without paying per episode anyway for just, interview just on that uh, Pantheon I was on Twitter I think this was yesterday or the day before something like that and some some random Twitter account that said that they'd worked on the show had talked about this very thing it was like an animated show it was supposed to be on AMC Plus and they'd like done a essentially like a Batgirl style tax write-off for it and said like it got no promotion or anything and they, they basically totally got rid of it and everyone in the replies was sort of you know saying sorry about that and everything so um, yeah mm-hmm. kind of kind of rung, rung a bell when you when you were bringing it up yeah. here but again like you said if you because you know UK audience over here is pretty big like I said if you've got money problems I mean I don't necessarily want to have amc plus as well as everything else but if it's the option that we we can get to get some of these shows that we're wanting to see then that's that's a good option to take sooner rather than later would be would be a good idea yes so So, yeah because i mean there has been talk of them launching amc plus over here but they've not confirmed anything so we don't know whether that is going to be the case and that's what they've been saving shows for or not oh yeah and there's tales of the walking dead yeah and there's tales of the walking dead (laughs) as well Uh, We should say uh, Fear of the Walking Dead Season 7 is now on Prime Video. It was available to buy on Amazon, but it is now on Prime. So that one has actually made its way onto Prime now. 
but still nothing from Tales. We don't know what's going to happen with things like Dead City and the other spin-offs and all that sort of stuff. So, mm. I mean, yeah, it's a weird situation. So you mean that Fear is with a Prime subscription, not to buy? Yeah, yeah Fear, okay. Fear is with a Fear Season 7 and the previous seasons of Fear are now on... I mean, the previous seasons were always on Prime Video, but basically they show it on AMC on the TV channel and at the same time it was available to buy on Amazon day after it airs in the US but they've now put it on Prime but it takes like 12-14 months for them to actually move it on to Prime for mm. free if you've got a Prime subscription but yeah season 7 is now on there it sort of popped up in the last few weeks so there is a new show coming up on the 27th of March which I thought you might be quite interested in because it's coming up on Paramount Plus it's called Rabbit Hole the description of it is nothing is what it seems when John Weir, played by Keith Sutherland, a master of deception in a world of corporate espionage, is framed for a murder by powerful forces with the ability to influence and control populations. That's the setup for it. I mean, it's Kiefer back in a sort of espionage kind of thing. I like Kiefer. You like Kiefer. Yeah. I, 27th of March, it's coming out on Paramount+. Plus. We'll have to keep an eye out for it. But yeah, sounds like an interesting one. Always happy to watch Kiefer in something. Definitely, yeah. Especially in these espionage type roles, which obviously is where 24 Jack Bauer fits in. He has done a couple of like similar things. I know obviously in, in uh, what's called Designated Survivor, he was like the, the president. And then he did that thing on Quibi. What was the name of it? Everything I stored in my mind about Quibi is like going out the window. Yeah. Um, um, but it was the Fugitive or something like that. Yes, the so. Fugitive. That that was it. Yeah. Which you can actually find on Roku now. Yeah, they put some of them on there. Yeah, they? yeah. Because um, the Roku channel, which if you've got Sky, you have got the Roku channel because it's an option on there. It's one of the apps. You can go and check out all the Quibi content. And there were a few decent shows on there. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yes. There was it, a one with Sophie Turner. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, that, that was, was quite uh, good. That was quite good. Yeah. But no, it sounds great. I mean, I like seeing Kiefer in these types of roles. Obviously, I'd love to have 24 back. It'd be nine years this year because it was 2014, I think, when it came back. And then you had the uh, spin-off in 2017 or something. 24 Legacy. Should be very, very good. Definitely going to be one to watch out for. But yeah, it's called Rabbit Hole. It's on Paramount Plus and 27th of March for that one. I'd actually not heard of that at all until you mentioned it on here. No, well, so. I, neither had I until until uh, they, I sort of started getting press releases for it yesterday. Uh, but right. uh, yeah, so... Um, it's one sort of seemingly popped out of nowhere, but that looks good. If you're wondering where the Chicagos are on Sky, they haven't gone anywhere. They are supposed to be coming back to Sky. They're negotiating contracts at the moment. There is a big Chicago-shaped hole on the 27th of January right now. Whether they land there or not, because it could, it, that will depend on whether all the contracts are signed and sorted, but there is a hole for them in the schedule right now on the 27th of January. So uh, we'll keep an eye out and we'll let you know. But if you're wondering where the Chicagos have gone, they're not like suddenly disappearing to Disney Plus or something like that. They are supposed to be coming back to Sky. They just haven't sorted the contracts out yet this year. Sometimes that happens, but uh, that's why they've not made any announcements about it yet. One thing they did announce was uh, the Rookie Feds, which is the spin-off from the Rookie, which they did the backdoor pilot from last season. That is coming to Sky Witness in February alongside the main show, The Rookie. Both of those will be back, so they're coming in February. I'm looking forward to those. Foundation had a little new trailer for the second season. That's the Apple TV Plus show based on the Isaac Asimov novel. That's coming summer 2023, so not actually as long a wait as I thought it was, because I thought it was going to be autumn, but 
summer 2023, apparently, that is dropping. And Outer Banks Season 3, that now has a premiere date on Netflix. That's the 23rd of February. That is landing. That's a Thursday. That'll be on Netflix worldwide, which is a fun little series. So uh, one to look out for on Netflix. One that actually made it past one season. Three seasons is the test, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. We'll see if it lands any, it gets any further than that. But uh, yes, we'll see. Moving on, one of the things I did want to go through, because we, of course, held the Geek Town Awards over the uh, end of last year and we put them all up on the site at the start of the year but a couple of people were saying oh could we get a bit more background and sort of you know percentages and that sort of stuff about some of the categories so uh, what I've actually done is I've gone through the categories and actually put rather than just the top three which is what is on the site I've got the top five of each category and also have the exact percentages that they were broken down by. So uh, if you're interested in sort of a bit more background about those categories, you can see them on the site, but uh, you'll get a bit more information here. Best new drama, uh, in fact, best new and returning drama, Stephen Knight had a really good category here because he won for Peaky Blinders in the returning drama and SAS Grow Heroes in the best new drama. So I'm thinking of just renaming this the Stephen Knight category. <laughs> but uh, top five best new dramas was uh, Tour Forest at number five with 11.7%, Reacher with 11.9% at number four, Vikings Valhalla came in also with 11.9%. I actually looked at the exact numbers. There was one vote separating Reacher and Vikings oh, wow. Valhalla. <laughs> That's how close they were. Uh, Around the World in 80 Days had 13.3%. Uh, that came in second. And then SAS Rogue Heroes had 15.7%. That was the uh, the winner in that category. Best returning drama, Gangs of London, that got 8%. Cobra Kai got 10.3%. Better Call Saul got 147 uh, Handmaid's Tail got 16.2 and Peaky Blinders got 23.9. So fairly convincing lead there for Peaky Blinders. Uh, It's kind of interesting with the top three in quite a lot of the categories. They are quite close between the top two and the top three. I think there's a, a pretty decent selection there. And I mean, SAS Rogue Heroes, I thought was great. I'm surprised Around the World in 80 Days did so well, given that that was on in January last year and people still mm, yeah. voted for it. So the recency stuff and all that. I'm glad Reacher was up there as well. You know, could have been third place. I mean, it was really a toss-up. I like Valkyrie's Valhalla, but I thought that first season of Reacher was great. Tourist was early last year as well, and I mean, that got the fifth spot. Best limited series, fifth place went to uh, Pam and Tommy, which had 8.5%. Ipcris Files, which was on ITV, that had 9.94%. Inside Man, which was on BBC, that 12.1%. The Thief, His Wife and Canoe, that got 17.1%. And Willow got 17.4%. So Willow actually hung on pretty much, took an early lead and managed to hold in there. But I think had this run for another week, The Thief, His Wife and Canoe may have actually overtaken it because towards the end that was really steaming past everything <laughs> to get to the top uh, which I, I didn't actually see that that was one that Grey put in the list but uh, nice to see that doing so well because uh, Eddie Marsden who was the, the leader that was great but yes the, the love of sort of Willow and the nostalgia I think kept it in the top, top have, you, have you been watching you've been watching that haven't you 
I haven't actually started it yet. No. Oh, okay. Must be I, somebody else I was thinking of. Yeah, no, I I need to go and uh, start that. But I, it's another one that I didn't quite get to over Christmas. I mean, there's so much stuff that I got behind on yeah. whilst I was away, and and uh, I I need to just make sure I catch up again. I'm surprised uh, we own the city didn't do better. Yeah, we own the city actually only got 2.4 percent of the vote. It was oh. actually quite low down. I mean, there's uh, yeah, Pam and Tommy to anatomy of a scandal. 1883, Undeclared War, Blackbird, Dropout. I mean, it was fairly well down. I don't know whether it was because it was on Sky Atlantic and maybe wasn't pushed all that hard, but that was a great Mm. series. I mean, really, really worth watching. Best new comedy, we had uh, the top five were Big Boys, which was on Channel 4. That was 6.8%. Uh, Bad Sisters on Apple TV, that was 9.7%. The top three were How I Met Your Father with 12.4%. Man versus B with 18.4%. And Am I Being Unreasonable actually took the top spot with 20%. So, I mean, I put most of the comedies in here, but the, the ones that actually won were Man versus B, which you put in, mm-hmm. and Am I Being Unreasonable which Grey put in so you know <laughs> yeah I was glad to see it do so well and I was put it in there not a lot of people seem to have talked about it but I watched it and really enjoyed it but yeah I guess people still really like Rowan Atkinson which is good so, yes yeah, yeah that's that's great a little bit of a jump there from 12 to 18% so that's, yeah. that's kind of interesting well quite a leap between those two returning comedy what we do in the shadows that was at uh, 6.2% Brassic was at 7.1% then there is quite a leap up to Ghosts which was at 14.8 Derry Girls which was at 19.3 and Afterlife which is at 22.6 for the longest time though I, it took a while for Afterlife to actually creep up it was only in the last couple of weeks that Afterlife actually took the top spot for the longest time it was a battle between ghosts and dairy girls and then the last sort of week or so afterlife slowly kind of came and took over i mean all three of those shows are great and i mean what we do in the shadows and brassic are brilliant as well but those, those mm-hmm. are the top five and no you loved afterlife as well so yeah uh i'm not surprised to see this win i know that afterlife a lot of people really enjoyed that so it's good to see that in there plus that's the last season so um yeah that's good as well uh and i've not seen ghosts or dairy girls but i hear endlessly good things about both of them because i think gray watches both of those yeah I've, so. I've not watched dairy girls but ghosts is phenomenal i mean it, it's really funny and it's just a wonderful very british i mean although they have made a u.s version but it's just a wonderful <laughs> very british kind of feeling tv show best new sci-fi series uh <laughs> disappointed i'm sure to know matt that Halo came in fifth place. That's 11.1%. Lazarus Project to 12.5%, which I'm very happy to see that in there because I think that's great. Third place went to Strange New Worlds. That's at 12.7%. Star Wars Andor, uh, 18.3%. And Obi-Wan Kenobi landed at 18.9%. So there was a bit of a battle between the the two Mm. Star Wars shows. I think Andor is technically the better show, but Obi-Wan has a lot of nostalgic value to it. And I think that probably pushed it over the edge, but I would still say Andor's probably the better show. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. I, 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 I thought I like it was going to be between those two shows. Yeah. Um, 
because I mean, people seem to enjoy those. For di- I mean, they go both go for like different kinds of things, don't they? Andor's one that I maybe just need to restart or something like that. But again, that'll be like another 12 episodes of TV for me to watch. Yes. So with Halo, maybe it was just a case that people, because the best thing, one of the only good things about the show, but the best thing about the show is the action. Like when the action was actually happening and as, as somebody who's played the games, that's how it should have been. It's just the character development and other things I, I don't well, think they, they got right. So. Yeah, I've, but it, I came at it from the point of view of like I really enjoyed the show but I'm not hugely into the games so I mean I've played them and I'm sort of aware of them but I haven't followed them for ages and haven't really played any of the later right. stuff and I think coming at it from that point of view I think as a TV show it made a perfectly fun decent TV series whether it's Halo or not is very debatable in terms of how close it is to the games and that sort of stuff but as a TV show itself I found it a very enjoyable sci-fi, but I can understand if you're a fan of the games, why you might be upset with it. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Returning sci-fi series, the Orville came in at fifth place with 12.3%. War of the Worlds had 13.9%. Westworld, 18.8%. Snowpiercer, 19.1%. And Star Trek Picard with 22.7%, which is sort of interesting. Um, I mean, I think that was the only Star Trek in the, list in terms of the returning shows because Discovery didn't qualify because it, it was too early. So, Oh, I thought it did qualify, but I didn't put it in because I didn't enjoy the season. No, so. I, I, I think Discovery actually didn't qualify because it started in November the previous year. And I, so and anyway, I think that's why because that, otherwise I probably would have put it in here. So Picard was the only sort of Star Trek that really qualified in out of the Star Treks for returning sci-fi. And I mean, I enjoyed it. I think the second series was immeasurably better than the first i guess i shouldn't be surprised that it got the top spot and i'm glad to see westworld in at third but Mm, I guess yeah. the audience has dropped off a bit for that as well because there was a point where that would have definitely won this category but you know I'm not particularly disappointed I think Snowpiercer is a great show as well that took a bit of a, a late sort of surge as well mm, that's pretty close with Westworld just looking at those numbers yeah, yeah. yeah. I so. mean those, those top three were very very close actually best new fantasy series we had fifth place Bastard Summon the Devil himself with uh, 5.8% which unfortunately is a Netflix cancelled show now all of us dead another netflix show nine percent third place went to the time traveler's wife which again is another cancelled show that's 14.4 percent then we always said this was going to be a battle between uh (laughs) lord of the rings and house of the dragon and uh yeah rings of power got 24.9 percent but house of the dragon very much winning this category with 38.8 percent so i mean yeah it's not the highest percentage of one category that's coming up but uh house of the dragon very solidly winning that out, Mm. out of the three I am very happy to see Time Traveler's Life in there. I think HBO made a horrible mistake cancelling that. I thought that really entertaining series. I was very surprised when HBO said that they weren't bringing that back for more. Surprisingly, all of us are dead in here. I'm kind of, uh, I know it didn't get into the top three, but it uh, made it onto the onto fourth. The people that watched it, including you know myself, seem to really, really enjoy it. I'm just surprised it's got a second yeah. season because I don't really know how you do a second season, but we'll see what they come up with. Yeah. I, I, I kind of look at that and hope okay don't please don't make a like second season that's just unnecessary because then you might kind of ruin 
yeah. some of it but we'll see we'll see what they come up with I'd wondered yeah that Bastard Son devil himself if it was cancelled because I, well, I didn't know it is unfortunately both Bastard Son and Lazarus Project both come from Jay Barton who uh, is the mm. writer behind both of them uh, Lazarus Project is coming back you'll be glad to know but yes his Netflix project got canned he did put out a tweet about one of the recent cancelled shows I think it was worrying and I did see a tweet from Joe going they'd just be better if they just announced shows that weren't cancelled as opposed to shows that were <laughs> so uh, you can tell there is definitely a vibe out there about Netflix getting that reputation best returning fantasy series now the percentages here are are very low and you'll see why when we get to the winner C season 3 uh, 2.5% Lock and Key season 3 that's got 5.4% American Horror Stories that's got 5.4% as well but had slightly more votes joint third place because they had exactly the same amount was Outlander and Discovery of Witches both had 8.5% the second place went to the Witcher with 16%. The winner by the largest landslide of any show that we've had in the entire awards, 51.3% Stranger Things Season 4. So, I mean, it shouldn't really come as a huge surprise, but yes, no. uh, that, that was a giant winner for that category. That's one of the ones where Stranger Things didn't just come back and make a great show. That's like a pop culture phenomenon. When, when, yeah. when people get so glued into like one scene particularly obviously the running up the hill thing and then you know Kate's music gets listened to a bunch because of that song that that's more of an effect than just hey a lot of people really enjoyed this TV show that's like a pop culture effect that's like affected music and things so yeah, um, yeah well deserved that's uh, yeah quite a, it quite was a clear great. winner yeah it so. was great that season as well so, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but I mean people complaining about the second season of The Witcher and it still managed to get second place so you know Best new comic book series we had. This is interesting because DC actually came out on top here, although there were some Marvel series in this as well. Miss Marvel came in fifth place with 13.8. Midnight came in fourth place with 15.2. Peacemaker landed third place with 15.6. She-Hulk, actually out of the Marvel series, got the highest. That was the second place with 19.1. Winner was The Sandman with 26.1%. I mean, I'm very happy that DC actually landed this. And I did think The Sandman, despite its kind of weird things they did with the camera ratio, I really enjoyed that series. And I think they did a wonderful job with it. I'm very happy that that's been so successful. Again, a Netflix show, you know, successful Netflix show. Mm, And there's always going to be a bit of a battle between DC and Marvel for this category because it's comic books. But I did think Peacemaker was going to win it. I think I said that at a time. Happy Miss Marvel still in the top five. I do think think it should be a bit higher Mm because I I, I did really enjoy that show. See, the Sandman's one I didn't really have on my mind to win. But now that I think about that, a lot of people did seem to enjoy that. But um, there there was just so much talk about Peacemaker and even just with the intro sequence and that, I thought that would, uh, well, same yeah. do better. You know, it did get third place, but I thought it'd be even higher than that. Returning comic book series, Flash got fifth place with 9.1%, Superman and Lois with 11.1%, and fourth, Umbrella Academy in third place with 235 Walking Dead final season, that got 24.7, but uh, can't beat The Boys, which third season of that got 26 6.7%. So, uh, I mean, not a huge amount in it, only a couple of percentage points, but uh, enough to make a difference. 
I love those top three shows anyway. I mean, Umbrella Academy's been yeah. great. Walking Dead, you know, you know how much love we have for that show. And uh, but the boys has been superb. I think definitely uh, a top three. I I would agree with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, British TV show of the year. And this is sort of a remix of some of the other categories in some respects. But uh, around the world in eighty days, that got fifth place. That was eleven point seven percent. This is going to hurt. Got thirteen point nine percent. The Tourist got fourteen point six percent. SAS Rogue Heroes didn't win there. It was uh, 19.3%. The thing that did was Ghosts. As I say, very British show. Um, only just, I mean, it only just, it was um, 20.1% that that got. So there was very close. But if you're going to pick sort of what show feels very British to you, I would say, yes, Ghosts is certainly the one I would go for. Yeah, I thought it would be between those two, SAS and, and Ghosts. That's the two that we talked about before. Yeah. But as is becoming tradition, I don't always have a lot to say about the British TV show. <laughs> Yeah. You'll be glad to know, actually, that uh, the Hollyoaks Long Walk Home episode, which you de- did actually put in here, mm-hmm. wasn't bottom. 4.1%. Interestingly, it was above Starstruck, which I'm very surprised by. It was above 10% as well, which wasn't hugely promoted on Prime Video, the British version of that Netflix French series. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, it didn't actually come bottom either. You know, there was there was enough people that, that voted for that to put it sort of not in last place, which is good. Mm-hmm. Best factual structured reality entertainment show. Now, this is Grey's category, but I am disappointed in the British public here, I have to say. Never mind the Buzzcocks with 6.2%. Uh, Welcome to Rexham, which I'm very happy is in there, 6.6%. Last leg in third place, 8.6%. There was a joint silver because they were dead level on votes. It was uh, Taskmaster and Great British Bake Off, both on 20.3%. And beating it, depressingly, only by a very small amount, was uh, I'm a Celebrity with 20.8%. I mean, fine. (laughs) You're wrong, but you know <laughs> that's what you voted for. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard some. Obviously, had uh, that PM person. Yes, in in there, oh, with, person, where, yes. Where, wherever he's doing now. Yeah, yes, uh, in there. Who should so not have I, been I, there? I can't remember the guy's name. The guy that plays Romeo of Hollyoaks, he he finished second in yes. the in the competition. I don't yes. know. I can't remember who won uh, it, but I I'd, I'd heard that he was in there because he he's had his sort of like temporary exit storyline. Basically, in the show, he's just gone on holiday with his girlfriend. Right. So, okay. <laughs> Yeah, for like a a bit of time. Yeah. So uh, best new animated series, The Cuphead Show in fifth place. Interestingly, Transformers Earthspark actually took fourth place and was not that far behind Cyberpunk Edgerunners. So fourth place, 11.7% for Earthspark. Cyberpunk Edgerunners was 11.9%. So there's like 0.2% in it for those two. Top two places, The Boys presents Diabolical. That was 15.8%. And uh, I think predictably, Tales of the Jedi took this with 31.2%. So there was a massive drop off between the winners and everything else here. But um, yeah, I mean, Star Wars, I think that was fairly predictable that that was going to take the top spot. I'm happy to see Cyberpunk in it, though. That was, that was a very good show. Yeah. So I'm just very surprised how close Transformers was behind that. Mm. Um, yeah. Best returning animated series, Harley Quinn got fifth place. That's at 10.6%. Star Trek Lower Decks at 12.8%. Rick and Morty at 18.8%. Family Guy at 216 And The Simpsons, predictably, winning at 24.7%. Interestingly, Rick and Morty, Family Guy, Simpsons in exactly the same order that they were in last year as well. I mean, for me, I'd actually turn that list probably upside down and have Harley Quinn at the top, Lower Decks, Rick and Morty, Family Guy, The Simpsons in fifth place. 
but you know mm, yeah there's a lot of love for the simpsons it's since 33 seasons in at this point so you know i think that's probably fairly understandable Game of the Year. So this was kind of interesting. Return of Monkey Island in fifth place with 7.9%. Elden Ring got 13.2%. God of War Ragnarok, 14.5%. Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga at 17.3%. And the winner was Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 with 21.7%. Again, that had quite a late surge. Uh, Same with Lego Star Wars coming forward as well, because for a while, Ragnarok was top. And then those those other two overtook it. I can't say Call of Duty win this. I didn't think it necessarily would the interesting no. part with the interesting part with call of duty obviously it's the one here that's got more than single player to it my guess would be for this is if you played the campaign if you're playing multiplayer if you're playing co-op raids warzone or dmz because there's so many game modes here so if you've played one of them you have played this game so they for you'd vote for it so it's got maybe more of a chance with that. Yeah, there's like um, five games in one. Yeah, there's too much stuff on it now. But that's with, with that. So that's interesting and really good. Um, with most awards, uh, most like PlayStation or Game of the Year awards this year have been between Elden Ring and uh, and God of War. Yeah, there was some news the other week actually that because uh, they have like the the most awarded game ever, and Elden Ring's actually beaten The Last of Us Part Two for that now. I think wow. they they've got like two hundred and thirty something. I don't know how it got uh, that many that I, quickly. I, yeah, and I don't get it either because I did not yeah. rate that game at all. To say I played it a bit and absolutely hated it and refunded it. So I mean, <laughs> just not my sort of thing at all. So I'm surprised to see Elden Ring not in the, in the top three here, but um, Star Wars people like Star Wars. So I am very. <laughs> happy to see monkey island in fifth place out of those Mm. sort of smaller games which you know there were a few on the list things like grounded and stray and two point campus and expositions roam and unpacking i was expecting those to be further down the list although stray has been doing incredibly well in the in various awards but uh, i'm very happy Mm. to see return to monkey island pick up just just scraping into fifth place i've i was very happy with that you know Movie of the year, we had Enola Holmes 2 in fifth place at 5.8%. You got Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness at fourth place. That's at 6.6%. The Batman, 6.8% in third place. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever at 8.1%. A very solid winner for this and was leading pretty much straight out the gate and never stopped. Top Gun, Maverick, 23.5%. So I think there's a lot of nostalgia driving that as well i i would have thought black panther had a chance to be higher than that but i mean there was a lot of love for top gun in this i was surprised it, it, it did have a very very good 2022 both from its box office which i think avatar took over yeah. recently but yeah. box office 99 percent of people that had made any comment about this film had said that they had absolutely loved it in fact i don't think i had read or heard anybody say they didn't like it mm-hmm. so clearly a lot of people really love it and with the fact that cruise doesn't seem to age uh maybe they could do another one <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe they go. I mean, I very much enjoyed it. It's very much designed to fund Tom Cruise's vehicle and designed to hit all those nostalgia points as well. So I've, I'm not hugely surprised, really, that it's done so well. Just thought it would be closer between that and Black Panther. But there you go. Then we had the most anticipated categories. So we had fifth place, June Part 2 with 8.1%. Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. That's at 9.3%. Top three, third place, John Wick Chapter 4, 11.7%. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with 11.1%. 
winner Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at 13.6%. Those top two particularly flipped backwards and forwards a lot. Eventually, Indy got it, but, uh, you know, and that's understandable. Again, more nostalgia. Yeah, people seem to be excited for that film, which is good. A lot of people looking forward to Guardians, which is uh, understandable. I've still not seen the first Dune film. No, but, no, uh, no, a lot, no, a lot of people seem to be looking forward to, to the next one for that. So yeah. interesting with the Hunger Games being in there, because when, when the Hunger Games was like active, let's say, yeah. and you had a film every, what, two to three years, whatever it was, it was incredibly popular. Obviously, you got Jennifer Lawrence and everything. But it's, this is the prequel, isn't it? So maybe with it going back into people's minds and whatever. Yeah, maybe. Um, people are looking forward to it again. So most anticipated game we've got in fifth place, Marvel Spider-Man 2, which had uh, 9%. Then Final Fantasy 16 with 9.9%. Third place went to Legends of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom at, with 10.5%. Star Wars Jedi Survivor with 10.8%. And the winner by a fairly sizable margin with 20.2% is Hogwarts Legacy, which... I messaged you after the word started going. Neither of us, when we did the launch podcast, neither of us actually said Hogwarts Legacy. I really, really should have done. Because <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's the difference with like, because I, I think I said Spider-Man 2, because there's a lot of anticipation behind that. Maybe it's because like Hogwarts, I mean, Hogwarts Legacy is out in about a month yeah. or so. And Spider-Man's just got like a full 2023 or autumn 2023. So maybe it's, maybe it's to do with that or something. But um, no, when I look at like the positive conversation online about Hogwarts Legacy, Legacy. People are doing like countdown Twitter accounts and all this type yeah. of stuff. So they're looking forward to it a lot, which I am as well. I just thought because the first Spider-Man game did so well and Miles Morales was really good, people would be looking forward to, to that. It's no surprise to see Zelda in the top three. Breath of the Wild is probably the best and most popular game on the Switch. Yeah. What's the other one? The Star, Star Wars, Jedi's Five. Yeah, of, people are looking forward yeah. to that as well. So and there's also been a lot of uh, excitement around Final Fantasy 16. So I'm, I'm not surprised that the games are in here. Maybe the order's a little bit uh, different to what I thought it would be. Yeah. But no, it makes sense that all those those yeah. are in there. Interesting that um because Starfield's one that people are looking forward to. There's not been a lot about it recently, like trailers I, or I think anything. That, that's recently. it as well. I think the other thing that pushed it up is like with Jedi Survivor, there was a trailer that came out for that recently. Yeah, there's the more and more Wars. footage coming out from for Hogwarts as well. So yeah, I mean I think that has sort of been driving it as well. Um, mm -hmm. Most anticipated TV show. This was an interesting one. Agatha Coven of Chaos that had six point eight percent. Fallout, which has six point nine percent. Then uh, the Bronze Place. Fallout was actually in third place for the longest time, and in the last sort of week or so, Queen Charlotte: A Bridgerton Story took the third place, which was seven point one percent. Walking Dead: Dead City that's got ten point eight percent. That was in second place, and of course, The Last of Us that has got the top spot. That's been 14.7%, which is coming very, very soon anyway. Interesting to see the two zombie shows right at the very top, particularly as we've not really seen much more about Dead City other than like a you know few shots and that's about it. And we don't know where yeah, it's we don't have a trailer or anything. Yeah, we or don't an air date. So. Yeah don't have an air date or where it's going to be airing even over here as we were saying earlier so it probably is the first of those three because uh, Rick yeah. and Michonne's just started filming uh, Daryl will probably be the second one yeah it makes sense with this with this list is that, is that the third season of Bridgerton or the second season it's or whatever a spin -off. it is oh is it a spin-off okay yeah. that's one that Netflix do actually renew but then that's a wildly popular show as well yes. so what season is that is, is that second or third season I think it's in the second season I think there's a third one coming but yeah, yes. I remember they had to write out the guy that a lot of people liked because he didn't have a lot of story or something. Well, something yeah, like that. partly that and partly if it follows the books, the books doesn't have him in 
so they wouldn't uh-huh. have to sort of crowbar him into a story where he wasn't supposed to be and that sort of thing so yeah mm. but no there's a lot of excitement about last of us and it's coming very very soon so uh very happy to see that on the top yeah totally and uh, we will be doing more last of us stuff fairly soon certainly over on entertainment talk we're doing shows over there with it as well um also on the website there is a list of the top 20 favorite tv shows of all time which is a question that i ask at the end of it which is sort of you can basically put in anything it's a free open field i'm not going to go through all the top 20 you can go and find that on the website but interestingly the top five i thought uh doctor who at number five walking dead at number four Breaking Bad at number three, Game of Thrones at number two, all fairly predictable. If you ever wanted to know whether this was a list (laughs) voted for by the British public, only Fools and Horses landed at number one. I was actually ahead. I haven't got percentages on this because it's difficult to do with an open list like this, but Mm -hmm. only Fools and Horses was was ahead by a, a reasonable number of votes. So there's still a lot of love for that show. It's been like, you know, 15 years or something since the last episode went out on TV. Yeah, it's a classic, um, isn't it? It is a classic. Absolutely, it is a classic. Uh, But there's a lot of stuff in that list. Like, I mean, you know, Peaky Blinders in there, The Sopranos, Buffy, Red Dwarf, Star Trek, X-Files. You know, there's a whole bunch of things in there. So uh, you can go and find that list up on the website. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm very happy with that as a a top five. Uh, There was some very decent drama and stuff in there. Nice. That's all the award stuff for this year we will of course be back next december with another set of awards where you can be able to go in and vote as well uh thank you to everybody that voted this year because we had the most entries we've ever had this year which was great there were thousands and thousands of entries which is wonderful really really appreciate people taking the time and going to vote and um you know I, the prizes are going out to the winners fairly soon so uh you know there were two people that were drawn for the winners for that who got this box of geeky goodies coming their way thank you for everything we'll be back with that next year as well so that's all the news and stuff for this week we're going to move on to some highlights from next week on tv so highlights for next week on tv we kick off on the 10th of january on sky sci-fi with reginald the vampire which is an adaptation of the fat vampire novels it stars jacob Batalon, who you will know as the sort of sidekick best friend from uh, the spider-man movies that looks like it could be quite good fun but that's starting on the 10th of january at 9 p.m welcome to chippendales that is the kamal najani series which is is the sort of rise and fall of the uh creator of the Chippendales that's coming to Disney Plus on the 11th of January Vikings Valhalla that returns for a second season that's on the 12th of January on Netflix Hunters is back for a second and final season that is coming to Prime Video on the 13th of January Servant is back for its fourth and final season that's on the 13th of January as well Simpsons returns for its 34th season that's on Sky Showcase that will be on the 15th of January at 6pm Vera returns for I think it's season 11c they split it up weirdly that show but uh, that is back for more new episodes anyway but that's on itv that's on the 15th of january at 8 p.m the last of us as we mentioned earlier that will be coming to sky atlantic that is on the 16th of january at 2 a.m it drops but uh, there will be a repeat airing later on but you can of course set it to record its simulcasting with the u.s and mayor of kingstown season two that lands on paramount plus on the 16th of january 
That, of course, stars Jeremy Renner, who had a horrible accident over the last week or so. Got run over by his own snow plow, basically. He's lucky to be alive, but he seems to be doing okay. And, you know, he's still in intensive care, but he is awake and talking. And, you know, he's been posting videos and things. So he does mm-hmm. seem to be through the worst of it. Seems to be doing okay. I just wanted to wish him the best of recoveries because, I mean, Absolutely. I, just really awful thing that happened. Particularly as he was going out to help somebody to get their car out of the snowdrift, I think, and just awful. But uh, best of luck and a speedy recovery. I hope that all goes okay. But second season of that Mario King stand, that's coming on the 16th of January to Paramount+. Plus. And that is everything we have for this week. So, Matt, what's going on over at Entertainment Talk? Quite a lot of stuff is about to happen, actually. I'm currently editing a new intro for The Last of Us podcast. I've got some some ideas for it. I just need to put some final touches on that. So, in terms of The Last of Us stuff, uh, what we're planning to do is, uh, in a couple of days' time, or tomorrow for those listening, I'm going to do a preview podcast for that. Just got to put some notes together. Then I'm going to do like a uh, probably over the top excited review of the f- of the first episode uh, immediately after I watch it on the Monday. And on the Wednesday, I'm going to have David join me to do an actual like breakdown recap sort of thing like we like we usually do. So that's the plans for all that. So look out for that on the World of the Last of Us podcast. I'm going to bring the United cast back on Saturday because we've got the Manchester Derby. So looking forward to that. So that's going to be a big game. Currently ongoing stuff as well. We've got a month for Positive Creators, which has had two of the four episodes out so far. So far, I've talked about Noisy Butters. She's also called Hannah over on YouTube and Chris Carr from the John Campion show. Also, Classic Reviews is still ongoing. That's also got four episodes that are going to be coming out at the same time as Month Positive Creators. Uh, this is for like a mini series of uh, Pixar and Disney films. I picked four from that set. Uh, so far, I've released the uh, Dinosaur Disney film review and then one for The Incredibles as well. And there are going to be two more of those coming out in the following Wednesdays. And then Gaming Talk is going to be back on roughly the 22nd. And we have some things to talk about over there. EntertainmentTalk.org, podcast platforms, Entertainment Talk for TV, games, films, May Night Podcasts. Uh, Twitch, if you want to catch me sometimes over there, eTalk UK, and then YouTube is where all that gets posted along the game clips and stuff, is Entertainment Talk Players over on YouTube. But uh, yeah, a lot of stuff about to, to start happening, so I'm excited to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, so that's all good. Go and find Matt over on entertainmenttalk.org. For other people involved in the show, you can find Bex on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She was doing a load of charity streams over Christmas for Samaritans, I think it was, so raised a stack of money. She's doing a great job over there. And uh, go and check out her regular streams as well because they are absolutely hilarious. That's always great fun. Daryl, you can go and find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those series that you love, which are shot in Canada. For Russian to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter at facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye bye Oh.